The opinions expressed on That's a Foul do not reflect the view of any organization to which the host or guest are affiliated or employed. Let's pick up today where we left off last week in our conversation with Craig. If you haven't listened to episode 14, consider giving that a shot before jumping in here. Today, we're talking about his experiences at Arlington National Cemetery while serving the Old Guard, his leadership with Hot Chicken Takeover, and we close with some jujitsu and talk of joint manipulation. Let's do it. Sports are an integral part of my life, specifically officiating. I've met a lot of interesting people on deck and on the sidelines. From referees to evaluators, coaches to administrators, and players to fans, each one has a story to tell. And that's a foul. It's a place to tell it. Each episode, we'll dive into personal and professional lives to see what they can share to make us all a little better tomorrow. I'm Chad Packer, and this is That's a Foul. So I'm recording this right after I finish editing the second half of our conversation with Craig. I'll have more to say about that after the fourth quarter. In this episode... We talk about his experiences in the Old Guard, where he and his fellow infantry soldiers perform military funerals at Arlington National Cemetery. We also talk about how he purposely aligned his life and training to that point to serve as a military officer in the Army, and how that training has led him to more servant leadership roles like the one he had with Hot Chicken Takeover. There's lots to digest in the next 30 minutes, so let's pick up where we left off. So you get back to states, and then he said you got off the plane, and you're kind of looking around, and and then you went to your next. What's it called when you went to the Washington D.C. area? Uh, next time, so I actually stayed at Fort Polk for about another year. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Okay, and was assigned to be a company executive officer. So leading a company which has three platoons is a company commander, the, the company first sergeant, which is a senior enlisted for the company and then the company executive officer and the the XO does logistics, maintenance, they source all the equipment, food mm. for all the training okay. that's going on with the company. So um what's did, your rank at that time? Like are you a, I was a first lieutenant. Okay. Okay. Um so I got pretty much an automatic promotion from second lieutenant to first lieutenant based off t- tenure. And then um as my time as the XO, which was really great, I loved my commander and first sergeant that I worked with. Um, as that time was coming to an end, my d- unit at in Louisiana wasn't slated to deploy again. Okay. And um, we had a couple guys within our my old company that was a platoon leader in who uh, died by suicide, and I just kind of wanted to leave. Mm. And um, if they were deploying, I probably would have stayed. Um, but with no deployment on the docket, uh, I wanted to transition. And I knew I didn't really have ambitions to stay in the military long term. So I applied for this position at the Old Guard uh, and moved to DC, Fort Myer, Virginia, um, uh, at like December of 2014. Okay. And uh, the Old Guard is a the oldest active duty infantry uh, regiment in in the army and they have a couple different responsibilities they have one battalion that does um, a lot of the ceremonies for foreign dignitaries at the white house kind of public facing sure the battalion that i was in 
was responsible for all the burials and internments at Arlington National Cemetery. So um, every day, you know, there are um, veterans that are, are being laid to rest on those grounds and your company would take a week's at a time and do all, all the ceremonies for that week. Okay. And uh, that was just um, a really humbling, a great, great experience, but certainly challenging in its own right too. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by that, the, the precision to detail in the military period, but now you've got, you know, a belt that is exactly this high and, you know, to the, I mean, just, just because like you said, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where when I meet a, a, a congressman who comes to XYZ high school to give an award or whatever, guy gives thousands of those, but I remember it like, cause it was my time to shake a congressman's hand. Yeah. I'm sure that's not lost on you guys that, you know, it's like, this is, this is their funeral that they will remember for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, the weight or the significance is, um, is heavy. The majority of funerals that happen at Arlington are veterans who serve for 20 years okay. are qualified based off of awards they won that they're able to be um, laid to rest there and they, you know, die of natural causes sure. in old age. And those services are certainly easier than those that were killed in, in combat. Right. As, a, as an officer, I was often... Uh, my primary responsibility was to be the officer in charge of that ceremony, which meant that the, the honor and responsibility of passing that folded flag to the next kin. And um, when you present that flag to um, a small child or um, a grieving father um, or a wife that just lost her husband, especially when they're guys that you know, guys that you like went through training with or, or served with in some capacity, that's, um, it's really difficult. I think for me, it made me really question whether or not all of these things were worth it. The price that's being paid is, is, is really steep. Yeah. You've always been a relatively stoic person, but you talk about turning that on and off. I mean, that, it's one thing to be in combat with you know, your brothers and sisters in arms, but then you're, I don't know, man, it just seems like that would be something that would be really hard to. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly had my breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I've certainly presented flags with, you know, tears coming down my face. Um, and then you wait till you're back of the office and then shut the door, <laughs> you know, it leads to some really, uh, really tough emotional circumstances yeah yeah i can imagine i actually i can't that's 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 totally i can't imagine that i would guess that soldiers that are serving there are not there by accident or happenstance the old guard is kind of strange in that way because you get um all the everyone in, in leadership position at least in the time that i was there more or less is deployed okay and um had served previously and more operational units, okay. but you, your soldiers at the lowest level are often the majority of which are come straight from basic training. Really? Yeah. So all your privates and your lower enlisted are, you know, 18, 19 year old kids who haven't been to a more operational unit from a leadership perspective. It was actually for me playing a far more difficult situation because 
I had that unique experience of standing up my first platoon, which really endeared me to those guys. I was stepping into a platoon that had already kind of had this core group of, of soldiers and, and NCOs already assigned to it. They were exceptional in the cemetery at all the drill and ceremony. Incredible. But they were uh, really bad at infantry tactics. Huh. And I thought that as a, a liability, and I thought we were doing a disservice to our lower enlisted soldiers who we would get right after basic training because... If we didn't prepare them and they went off in four or five years to another unit, like we have an obligation to make sure that the soldiers that we're passing along are going to be competent infantrymen when sure. they leave. And so we had to kind of go through a culture change within that platoon, and it was really difficult. And I was not very popular for a while. <laughs> and coming from my previous experience where... I was really popular amongst the guys. So that was a, presented a pretty challenging leadership scenario. Yeah. How old are you at this time? Just, I'm asking in relation to 18 and 19 year old. Privates. I would have been 26. Okay. Do you lead from a, hey, I've been here. This is where you might go. You have to, or at least the way that I went about it was that you had to get on board, get your squad leaders and team leaders, your your NCOs, your sergeant, your staff sergeants, you had to get them on board. And that's true in any platoon. Like, if you don't have buy-in from your NCOs, you're not going to have buy-in from the lower soldiers. Wow. Wow. Because uh, they are with them yep. every day, every hour, every minute. So they have a, just a totally different level of respect for those NCOs. Yeah. And... Um, the way you get respect from those NCOs is, I mean, pretty common sense stuff. Being willing to share the burden, you know, going out and being alongside the guys during the funerals and not using your rank or anything to dodge res responsibility in that way. Being transparent and honest and, you know, I think there's this misconception among military leadership that you use your rank or your authority to get things done, but Wow. That's not the case at all. Like you have to use every, you have to build consensus and mm -hmm. use every leadership mechanism that's available to you to, to do that. Yeah. I really like Arlington. I, it's I, incredible. I just like everything about it. Yeah. Once you step foot in those, that cemetery, I feel like it's like a, I'm not a religious person, but it feels sacred to me. Like mm -hmm. I, I, like I venerate that, that, that ground, like people do their churches right yeah. that's how it feels to me i certainly have memories of specific funerals uh guys that uh, i served with um you know you do funerals where there's nobody in attendance wow and so those stick out to me um in terms of actual places within arlington most of the casualties from the global war on terror are in section 60 and you know littered throughout that area i know a handful of guys um so section 60 is kind of the, the touchstone section mm -hmm. for me when you're in there you've said that i kind of had this range of time between x and y and as i was approaching y did you start to say yeah it's y or did you say well maybe i could say a little bit longer i mean like how do you transition into back into civilian life yeah, like I said, I entered 
under the assumption that I was either going to do four or maybe eight years, which would have been like kind of the next chunk of service. Okay. At that point, I loved the work. I loved being an infantryman to some degree. This presents some challenges as well. But uh, <laughs> sure, yeah, here and there. Um, I really did love the work, and I loved the people I worked with. I didn't want to roll the dice on locations and control of how I lived my life. Hmm. And I think after I graduated college, I moved between then and when I got out, I moved something like four or five times. And every time you uproot, especially as a, a single guy, like it takes a long time to build a friend network and hmm. create a life for yourself that is meaningful and substantive. And I just didn't want to keep doing that every two to three years. Sure. <laughs> uh, it was getting really challenging. And so, and I struggled with how much, how worth it I thought the military or the conflicts we were fighting in. I didn't, like, I didn't know if it was worth all the damage. Like, obviously, I saw the damage we were doing in Afghanistan itself. I came home and I saw the damage that we were doing to the families of service oh, members yeah. through my work at the old guard. And I saw the like mental and emotional uh, damage to my friends that um, were struggling with their mental health or, or uh, took their own life. So I, I just saw how negative these conflicts were affecting the people I cared about. And I didn't, I was struggling to understand my own role in that. Hmm. It's I don't know. I, I still I still conflicted on it. Probably, it's interesting. I had a college friend who was very uh, against my service, not in a combative kind of way, but she made her perspective known, um, and I respected that, you know. Um, and. I met up with her in Columbus shortly after I got out and I was expressing kind of these doubts that I was having about my service. And I, she felt, it seemed like as though she felt kind of validated and like, Oh, I was finally seeing her perspective in actuality. That couldn't be further from the truth. Like I wouldn't change that okay. experience at all. And if I had to go back and do it again, I would. And if another conflict arose in the next few years, I would have a hard time staying away because your world gets so small and it becomes about the people you're with and um, your, the guys that serve alongside you and the relationships you form. It, it almost makes the politics irrelevant. Huh, sure, sure. And it's like if I'm... I wasn't an exceptional officer. I think I was slightly above average. <laughs> but if I can go over there and do that job well and, you know, maybe bring home my guys, then that's better than somebody else going in my stead or Ooh. someone else who shouldn't, who doesn't take that responsibility as seriously as it deserves. Wow. When I left to go to the old guard, I had a good opportunity to apply for uh, a position in Ranger Regiment, which is one of the more elite units within the Army. And I 
kind of passed on that chance and I, I, I get out and I wonder like did I did I take a cop out you know the unit I left which at the time wasn't slated to, to deploy ended up deploying again after I'd gotten to the old guard oh. it's like did I leave my guys hanging there guys that were your peers end up you know staying for that next chunk of service and you're like did I leave them hanging I think no matter what you do, you walk away feeling as though you didn't do enough. And the reality is that I have friends that were wounded, seriously, who feel like they didn't do enough. Huh. Like at some point it just becomes this rat race where the only way to do enough is to die in combat. Wow. So that's a hard thing to rectify. It is. I've never thought about it that way. What I've learned about my own, I'll call it guilt in that way, is that in reality, I think it's a mechanism to give yourself control over a situation you had very little control over. Um, I didn't know that my unit was going to deploy when I left. But I feel guilty about it because that that gives me some agency looking back, or you know, something on deployment. Oh, I wish I would have made this decision instead of that decision. I, I'm convinced that that guilt is just a way of projecting a level of control that you didn't have in the moment. Huh. Yeah. It's a way to protect yourself, really. So you, you've gone through, you're, are you still doing some mental health therapy or you, I mean, how, how long did, how long before you realized, yeah, I need to, I, need to um, I started seeing a therapist right after I moved back to Columbus and got out of the army and, uh, I still go and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I rec, I, I recommend it to everyone. <laughs> it's not bad. It's for sure. Yeah. Do you feel like you're you're working less and less on transitioning back and more and more on Craig? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those first, I would say, two or two years or so, it was a lot of, of processing the military experience. Uh, now it's more internal, internally focused. But it's it's interesting. Every once in a while, something will kind of creep up as like my perspective changes on my military experience. Okay. So I'm still kind of retroactively processing that i don't know if it's true or not but i heard the other day that when you remember a memory or something your brain like wipes away the previous version and now it's memory Hmm. 2.0 so you start to remember different things and if you're in a perhaps if you're in a good mood and you remember it it shapes itself a little more positively but if you're in a really downtrodden mood and you think about it you know starts to skew negative but it's it's I don't, again, I don't know if it's 100% true or maybe I don't understand the whole complexity of it, but it just erases itself and it rebuilds, you know? So mm. you're constantly looking back at, when you were 25, you're looking at 18-year-old Chad, and you're going, ah, okay. And then when you're 30, you look, you still look at 18-year-old Chad, but now you have that five years worth mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. It's kind of made me think of that. I yeah, know. I think that's pretty accurate. A lot of times if it, my service comes up in kind of a casual conversation, a lot the way you typically go, oh, you're in the Army, yeah. Did you deploy? Yeah. What was that like? And uh, it's a really difficult question to answer. 
it's like asking you what was junior year in college like um (laughs) i don't you know i have uh i don't know it was okay i guess (laughs) yeah i have some brief things i remember really well but there's no narrative to it it's not like you see in the movies where there's a plot line (laughs) you know it just kind of happens. Mm. I wonder about this sometimes because, like, everybody has an opinion on education because everybody went to school. Mm. Does everybody have an opinion on the army because they saw Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, I, I got some idea what that was. I mean, I can't imagine it was terrible, but I mean, Tom Hanks, man. He was, <laughs> yeah. You know, tell me about Tom. Hanks, you know, and you're just going, yeah, it wasn't wasn't that? You know, yeah. teaching is not what you think it is because you saw it from this perspective and. I lived it this perspective, you know, so I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder, wonder about that. Yeah. So you're back in Columbus and then you, you start with this hot chicken takeover, which is the coolest name yeah. going. And I know that, I mean, I want to just kind of want to give you some space to talk a little bit about that because then we get into leadership and servant leadership, certainly yeah. in transforming people's lives and things like that. Shout out to Butler Tech, hashtag transforming life. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I moved back to Columbus I really didn't plan for life after the army. I think, I mean, I told you before, like my college experience was very intentionally crafted mm. around being a platoon leader in the army. Um, I don't, didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't really know how I could transfer my skills in the military. I didn't even know what skills would be transferable. Sure. So I just happened to go to a startup event with a friend And at the event, Hot Chicken Takeover kind of sponsored the event and was serving banana pudding and their their dessert. And I started talking to who was the operations director at the time of the company who was manning the like little tape table at the event. And he started talking about his company or the company that and Hot Chicken Takeover was a, um, I guess at the service level, it's a Nashville hot chicken fast casual joint. But the company was founded on the premise of being a fair chance employer. And a fair chance employment is designed to uh, employ individuals who have been affected by incarceration, criminal background, uh, substance abuse, homelessness. And what I experienced is typically some combination of those factors. And so the restaurant was very intentionally designed around giving an opportunity for individuals who have barriers to more traditional employment opportunities. So how do your experiences allow you to be effective at your job there? Yeah, so a a lot of ways, actually. One, just generally and more broadly, the the leadership was a huge factor. Secondly, within the military, a lot of the lower enlisted soldiers who are coming straight from basic training, maybe they don't have felonies on the records, but are come from similar backgrounds. Okay. But you also, alongside of those individuals, you also had individuals with master's degrees, right? Sure. <laughs> so you have this broad range of, of soldiers that you're supposed to lead. And the environment hot chicken takeover was equally as diverse. Hmm. You had every race, creed, religion, sexual orientation, life experience within one restaurant crew and so understanding that diversity aspect within the military was important and it, it i think as i look back it probably started from going to princeton high school okay 
other skills coming from the military, I really honed my ability to plan and write plans, hmm. especially as a platoon leader where you're kind of the lowest level planners. You, you can get great understanding of what you wish the plan, the information of the plan that you got had ah, contained sure. in okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like oh if i had this piece of information i would really know what i how i should handle (laughs) this situation um but then writing those detailed plans out was a skill that translated really well to my spent as a project manager for hot chicken and then lastly i worked as a general manager for one of their restaurants for a couple years and um a lot of times main running operations within the restaurant was very similar at least during the stressful times like thinking about how you would organize um a patrol at least that's how i would frame it in my head (laughs) (laughs) which i'm sure is very healthy (laughs) led led to some great customer service experiences (laughs) Um, um but you're like tracking assets tracking levels of consumption of food and uh, uh, assigning people to different positions based off of their ability and so making all those kind of running assessments of where things are in the restaurant is is very similar to what you do when you're leading a patrol okay how much ammo do we have how much water do we have where's this person going where's that person going wow and so that same kind of running clock mentality was how I operated the restaurant too. That's cool. With the present pandemic, you're not, you're not working there right now. Correct. Given how intensely we care about our employees, the company decided to close all our restaurants until we could figure out a solution to keep our, our team, our team safe. You know, we're a young startup and they just had to make some tough decisions and ways to cut costs. And as, because I worked on the corporate staff and I wasn't in the restaurant, uh, you know, my, my position was eliminated for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. So uh-huh. I would like to get into project management in a more kind of bona fide way. Uh, it's obviously not a great time to be looking for a job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that presents its challenges. Um, sometimes I get a little discouraged. I, But I also understand that it's my own doing and for good reason in the sense that I chose the army and wanted to do something that was meaningful to me. And I didn't plan past a certain level because I found incredible value in that. I went from that to hot chicken takeover, uh, another organization that meant a lot personally to me or, or aligned values wise with, uh, my own values. I like. I worked as a general manager of a restaurant for two years. I have no intention of being a restaurant operator. Right. Um, so I made these very conscious choices to do things that were meaningful to me, even though the work themselves didn't set me up long term for my a traditional career path. Sure. So uh, might be paying the price of that, but I'm still optimistic and believe it was worth it. I think that's why I'm okay with the decision I make in terms of my career path because I'm confident in my ability or and the skills that I've learned through both of those experiences. The difficult part is translating those experiences and um, 
really it's just getting a foot in the door to be able to tell your story. Right. So people can understand because I can parse down to those experiences to a bullet point on a resume, but mm. until you're actually having these sorts of conversations with somebody about what those experiences actually were, then, you know, there's no way to truly understand. I feel like over the last four years, I've really been able to do that, build a rich social network, um, you know, kind of structure my life around a career that I care about and hobbies that are important to me. So you mentioned you, you're doing jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. How, I mean, what, what, what is that? Is that just a, is there a spiritual side of that or is it just, I mean, is it the physical aspect of it? Is it the, yeah. So after I got out of the military, I stayed really consistent on working out. Okay. And, um, I would always, I went to a small gym close to my house and one of the trainers practices trains jujitsu and we'd always just kind of shoot the shit and he was always pestering me about coming out he's like you'll love it you'll love it i was pretty skeptical um and it was this was my first time without obligations to army that i could train exactly how i wanted to train uh-huh. so working out by itself was pretty uh engaging for me at the time after like two years or so that desire to compete and be challenged kind of creeped back in Ah. and um it took him two years of pestering me but i finally went out to practice and uh got pummeled sure okay (laughs) but it was uh it was really great and it's been increasingly great like if you stick with it through the first six months it's the sport is fascinating because it's kind of this intersection of like technique, um, style, and strategy. Okay. Because like you have the nuts and bolts technique, moves, uh, attacks, defensive positions, whatever that you know. Every body type is different, so certain hmm. attacks are going to be more beneficial. Some people are more explosive and like quick. Others are stronger and more steady. And so you have this kind of style component to your game that you kind of build as you add more technique to it. Uh, And then the strategy is just the deception, like, oh, I'm going to fake this and hope to elicit this response, you know, just like you would in a team sport in a a water polo match or something like that. So the sport kind of intersects those three things together really in a really fun way. I guess I don't know what is it. Is it like rounds? Is it is it similar to like a judo or more like boxing? Like yeah, so jujitsu ju- is a, it's a grappling sport. It's okay. not striking like Muay Thai's kickboxing or or boxing. Oh, is it? It's, yeah. Is it really some more? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, judo is throwing. It's okay. primarily you know you're starting on your feet and you're throwing someone to the ground. Um, jujitsu focuses more on what happens once you're on the ground and is more submission based. Okay. So, you know, different choke holds or joint manipulations to that sort of thing. Joint manipulations, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> joint manipulation makes me think, if you don't surrender, I'm going to pull your arm out of socket. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> joint, joint manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> Is that kind of what a lot of UFC fighters kind of train in? I mean, I'm not suggesting that UFC is professional jiu-jitsu. I'm just saying, is that like... Uh, UFC kind of brings in a lot of people from various martial arts backgrounds and they have to be competent in all of them. Okay. Jiu-Jitsu is a certain 
kind of a pipeline to get people into mixed martial arts okay. certainly okay. um but cer- uh, wrestling is as well boxing oh, sure. and muay thai is as well okay so what's the thing is that is this the what's the thing in in that's like brazilian based yeah. is that yeah. jujitsu mm-hmm. is that those okay interesting so is everything in portuguese or a lot of the like did there i dropped my world knowledge yeah a lot of the position names oh. are in Portuguese. Oh, yeah. so you speak Portuguese. Yes. Great. I'll put that on my resume. <laughs> but it's a bullet point. So you speak Portuguese. What's that like? <laughs> I know awesome. like five words. <laughs> sure. Sure. Do you know what you just told me? No. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so... As an avid listener of the show, you're aware that the fourth quarter is where the, oh, yeah. the money the money really gets excited. Yeah. Yes. The fourth quarter. The rapid fire questions. Would you would you like to play? Yeah. Great. Okay. So I'll ask you these. Some of them we can go into. Some of them the answer might be no. <laughs> okay. But it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to wrap here. So uh are you, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Cue the music. Do you have a favorite MRE you'd recommend? Uh, there's only one right answer to this question. It's chili macaroni. Chili macaroni. Yeah. Delightful. Okay, <laughs> good. In three words, Craig, describe an Ohio State-Michigan football game at the shoe. Uh, I, I know how much you really adore Ohio State. Love them. Go back. <laughs> O-H. I uh, <laughs> Um. I would say drunken. Okay. Uh, loud. Yeah. And scarlet. Indeed. Indeed. I would probably throw in there victorious as yeah, well. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. It is. I'm softening my my view on Ohio State here. Let's go back to Evendale. Yeah. Let's go to the rec center. Yeah. What's one of your strongest memories from that place? Could be an event. It could be anything. Um... I, every anytime I think of the wreck, I just think of swim meets at Evendale Pool. Yeah, just hanging out, mostly just hanging out with all your friends in that back little green space area. Yeah. Did you have any snacks that you would throw down there? Mom is uh, really good at the snack game, <laughs> so they're all the really healthy ones. You would always like bake cookies. You know, yeah. you always want belly full of cookies for your swim meets. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So any bake good for mom. Okay, like that. Uh, speaking of which, it's the 2020 Thanksgiving at the Marin Family Homestead. Who wins the first annual arm wrestling contest? Ooh. Ah, I still think Ross would win. But I think I'm making up some ground. Okay. And I think I can beat Eric. Okay. I mean, both they're both still taller and much bigger than okay, me. Okay, so leverage. Leverage yeah. is important. Uh and Ross just is a big guy. Oh yeah. Who would win the? Ju- but you would, would. Would you break out some jujitsu if they? I I do think it's probably level the playing field on okay. in that front. So I like it. Uh, watched a movie once with Sylvester Stallone. He would just turn his hat backwards, and it made him stronger. So pro tip, <laughs> pro tip. It was called uh Oh god, what was that called? The arm wrestling movie. Yeah. What yeah. was it? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. He was like a trucker. A truck driver, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I had it. I don't want it. Jamie, 
okay. Do you have a favorite movie? Ooh. Over the top. It was over the top. Over the top. Yeah, okay, but over the top doesn't have to be your favorite movie. But no. go ahead. Uh, well, I don't know if this is my favorite movie, but I do remember being put on uh, to Roadhouse by you. Like I, that that movie wouldn't be in my life if it weren't for you. So yes, coaches make a difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so d- deep appreciation for that movie. I think my favorite movie of all time. I've certainly seen Shawshank the most. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed City of God. Have you ever seen mm. that movie? It's yeah. uh, it's a movie based in Brazil. They speak Portuguese. Ah. So I I didn't have to read the subtitles. No, you didn't. <laughs> well, they said those five words. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, I would say that one. Okay. Okay. Hey, I'll see you at the gym later on. Uh, what piece of cardio equipment will I find you on? <laughs> I don't. I don't do cardio Good anymore. For you. I don't like for you. breathing heavy. No, it's no fun. Uh, where will I find you in the strength area? Uh, I keep it real simple, so I'd be in the squat rack. I'm okay. just, I'm just like a squat, deadlift, bench, overhead press kind of guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The four basics here. Good for you. Gonna grab a quick beer before heading home. Can I get you anything? Um, I'm not a huge beer drinker anymore. Uh. I, I'm a huge... I like gin, man. Really? Yeah. That's a, a recent development. Okay. Last couple of years. Some sort of a specific gin? Is that the one where they, like, distill it to different thing? Yeah. Or is that... Is that uh, I think that's vodka. Yeah. What's the thing? Yeah. Gin Single, is... Oh, I'm thinking of scotch. Single okay. malt scotch. And double malt scotch. Um, gin. gin, I mean, there's a wide variety. You have, like, floral gins. You have citrusy gins. You have more, like, piney. So you got... You can, go all over the place is that is that neat or is that on the rocks how do you how do you drink your um typically don't drink it neat sometimes you just do it like um uh, with lime juice in it and that's fine oh. um or gin and tonics are always great um and then there's a little tons of cocktails you can make with gin okay i like it final question best advice you've ever received Let me, I'm going to reframe that. Someone comes to you and says, Hey man, I'm struggling with something. Give me, give me the best advice you can give me right now. Oh, dang it. Uh, Unless I screwed it up. Yeah. Go back to the person. person. (laughs) Best advice you've ever received. Um, when I first showed up to my first company, uh, one of the senior platoon leaders who had um, really proven himself on the previous deployment in a lot of really difficult ways. Um, and so it was a guy I like, adored and admired. And one of my first days I was there, uh, he said to me, all right, I got two pieces of advice. Number one, don't be a pussy. Number two, <laughs> uh, collect experiences, not merit badges. Collect experiences, not merit badges. Wow. That's good. That's gold. Collect I need to write that one down too. Okay, good. Uh good news, you you won. 
Congratulations. What do I get? I don't know. I don't really know. You get a lifetime subscription to uh, That's a Foul podcast. Oh, sweet. So you don't have to pay anymore. (laughs) Good. I'll stop sending my checks in. (laughs) Yes, the royalty checks are rolling in. They are. So here's the thing. Craig is one of the most centered 31-year-olds I know. Here's a guy who openly admits he might have put himself in a bit of a spot by focusing the early part of his adult life solely around serving as an infantry officer. But he doesn't regret that decision or the experiences he had serving his country. In this episode, Craig told us he was a slightly above average infantry officer. Listen, I don't know what kind of officer he was, but I know that when my daughter was in D.C. on her 8th grade field trip, Craig made sure to find her in the cemetery and say hi. I know when Craig had the chance after college to spend some free time to himself, he chose to take a couple of hours out of the day that fall to coach his old high school water polo team for about $500. And I know when Craig got out of the Army, he found an organization which is geared towards giving people who need second and third and fourth chances those very chances. So I'd bet all the money in my pocket against all the money in your pocket that he was a superior military officer. In the end, we don't really measure people by income or expensive cars or all the other bullshit people think is important. Instead, we will be measured by our acts towards others. It's people like Craig who give me hope for humanity. I can't imagine there aren't hundreds of organizations out there who wouldn't love to have that guy on their team. In an exciting twist on the Army-Navy rivalry, we have my pal Dave Plotz on next week. Dave is a Navy vet and now colleague of mine with some great stories to share. He brought along some bourbon and a few beers for us to partake in during the podcast, so there might be a story or two and definitely some slurred speech on my part in episode 16. I hope you can join us. Until next time, y'all, be good to the refs. Shout out to our friend and fellow referee Adam Carroll for That's a Foul theme music. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend where to find us and follow us on your podcast service. As always, you can find show notes and other topics covered on today's show on our website, tafpodcast.com. <laughs>